The Eco Right Speaks podcast is your conservative home for weekly climate news, interviews, points of view, climate heroes, jesters, and so much more. We'll share the stories of people leading in their local communities and around the country. Welcome to the Eco Right Speaks podcast. It's brought to you by RepublicEN.org. Hello, and welcome to the Eco Right Speaks your climate-focused podcast produced by the team at republicen.org. I'm your host, Chelsea Henderson, excited to bring you a very special guest. But first, the winner of our contest last week was Robin P. from Montana. Robin will receive a $25 Amazon gift card and some republicen.org swag for knowing that Dr. Catherine Hayhoe and I talked about knitting warming stripes and that I'd need 104 rows to represent my grandmother's life. Be sure to tune in closely to today's conversation, and at the end of the episode, Price and I will pose another chance to win. Congressman Andrew Garbarino is in his first term of office representing the 2nd District of New York, the Long Island area he grew up in. In November, he took on the role as the Republican chair of the House Climate Solutions Caucus, which we will hear more about momentarily. Before being elected to the U.S. House of Representatives, he served in the New York State Assembly, and we are excited to get to know him better and hear his climate goals. So without further ado, please join me in welcoming the congressman to the show. Welcome back, listeners. As I promised, I am sitting here in conversation with Congressman Andrew Garabino, our first sitting congressman of this season. Thank you so much. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me. I'm happy to be here. So um, as we discussed a little bit before we turned on the record button, you are the Republican co-chair of the House Climate Solutions Caucus, and you're losing your Democratic counterpart. That's sad. Yeah, my buddy Ted Deutsch. He's uh, he announced uh, he was retiring. Um, we were we were working on some issues together, and uh, it caught us a little bit by surprise. But uh, wish him well in retirement. He, he's been doing a lot with this uh, this caucus for a while. He worked with my predecessor, and uh, he, he did a he, he he was very passionate about the issue. And he was uh, I remember meeting with him my first time uh, when I was thinking about becoming the co chair of this caucus. And you know, we sat in his office and. Uh, you know, it's funny in New York and Long and uh, Florida. It was you know kind of <laughs> a lot of my old constituents. I think are his new constituents. So we had a lot to talk about. Right, you um, have a little, little uh, pipeline to his yeah. district, probably. Yeah, both and we're both from coastal <laughs> communities. So it was uh, you know we had a lot in, we had a lot uh, in common in our districts and uh, and constituents. Well, that's what I was going to ask: is what inspired you to take on this chairman sh- um, co chair role and to talk a little bit about the second district of New York. And so maybe we'll start with the, you know, what inspired you to want to be um, the Republican leader on this climate caucus? You know, I actually, I didn't um, seek it out. My, um, uh, the former chair, uh, Carlos Cabello, um, you know, I, I was sitting with him one night. Uh, there was a couple of members uh, of Congress and Carlos being a former member, we were having dinner and I was talking about my district. And again, he was from Florida and he had a very similar district, uh, coastal communities. Uh, he was a former co-chair and um, he lost in 2018, as well as the several, several Republican members of the, of the caucus. And they were looking to get it running again because, you know, again, Carlos is very passionate about it. And it's and, you know, climate is not 
it's not a Democrat issue. It's a it's it's a bipartisan issue. I think, uh, you know, it affects everybody the, the same way. Um, and the only real way to solve uh, the, the climate uh, crisis, uh, and we're hoping to do it through the Climate Solution Caucus, is through a bipartisan matter. Is something that where you can um, you can Republicans Democrats can come together on an issue, and you know businesses, uh, corporations, industry, you know they realize all right this was bipartisan this should stick around for a while because right now you know the every time Congress changes or every two years they have to worry about new rules coming out you know so it's you know, no business can run uh, can run that way you know with only you know, two years of. Uh, you know, thinking that the bill's only effective for two years, uh, then they have to come up with something new. That's just no way to run a business. So uh, he he kind of sold me on it. He said, look, you know, you you could, we could win this issue. Right now, people see Republicans as anti-climate. You know, this could be, you know, we could do a lot of good through this bipartisan caucus. You know, they, you know, and what really sold me was the industry that was involved. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, oil companies, ExxonMobil, Microsoft, AT&T, um, Exelon, uh, the American Flood uh, Coalition, which is huge in my in my district, um, you know Chevron, uh, United Airlines. I mean the Chamber of Commerce. I mean these are all groups that support uh, the Climate Solutions Caucus, and they and and it, and when Republicans hear it, and a lot of my colleagues, they think, oh, climate change or or, or climate solutions caucus. Out, no, you know I don't want to do anything that's anti-industry. And when I explain to them, look. Industry is already further ahead than we are through through laws. You know, they, they want this. They just want clear guidance. Yeah. Uh, you know, it it really I was really sold on it. You know, at that dinner, Carlos, uh, you know, convinced me that this was um, this was, a, you know, this was a, a, a caucus that we could really get some solutions out of that actually would mean something. Yeah. Um, which was nice. Well, and, and what you're saying about business and the regulated community, they want some certainty, right? You, yeah, you can't make, you know, when you're making capital investments, especially with some of these utilities that are supposed to last 25 to 50 years, you don't want the rules changing in three years or four years or five years. You need to have that certainty now for whether you need to put pollution controls on your equipment or whatever it is that you need to do. And that has, you know, as somebody who's worked on this issue for um, a couple of decades now, crazy to think about it that way, but, um, you know, it, it's been great to see groups like the chamber and some of these business um, trade associations coming together and saying we need to have some sort of solution. And and you're right, it is no longer just an environmental issue. It's really an, an economy-wide issue. Yep. Oh, it is. Absolutely. I mean, you, you're seeing it, uh, what, what companies are doing, uh, 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 internationally, you know, in other countries, uh, what they're doing just on their own, uh, you know, like I said, Chevron, some of the investments that they've made, uh, SAP, um, Johnson control. I mean, I've met with some of these CEOs and, and what they've told me about what they've done on their own, just because it's not just good for the, but it's, it's not just good for the environment, but it's good business. Right. It's good business. Um, Like I said, they're doing their bare minimum of what some of these companies are doing is is more than what we've we've passed legislatively as a Congress. Um, But you're right. That certainty is what they need. They they, they can't things can't change every two years when you're when you're when you're investing billions of dollars in capital improvements. You can't they they, can't you can't change the rules two years in. Um, So that's why they're so supportive of this. 
caucus. That's why I'm so supportive of it because it's bipartisan. It's something that we can, uh, you know, Republicans, Democrats can come together and maybe agree on 80% of the issue. And that could be, that could be where we can, we can build off of. And, uh, right. Cause you just need to be at the table. Right. And I think yeah. that Republicans haven't always been at the table. And so you come to the table and if you agree, like you said, with even 70, 80%, then let's do that 70 or 80%. We don't need to do the whole hundred yep. percent. But absolutely. And, and being at the table is a huge thing. I think that's why you had about 10 Republicans go to Glasgow uh, mm-hmm. this year for the, um, uh, uh, for COP. Uh, it was big because we want to show people, hey, look, we understand that there's a conversation that has to happen. We mm-hmm. don't agree with everything that the president or the Democrats are saying, but no, we get that there's got to be a conversation. We get that industry wants there to be a conversation and, and, and we're willing to take part in that conversation. Um, so I think it, it's showing that there, we're showing that we're willing to take a seat at the table was a very, is a very good first step. And, and, and having the attendance at COP this year was was good. I mean, Leader McCarthy was very, uh, was very uh, enthusiastic about us as going over there. I had a few questions actually for you about Glasgow. So that's a nice segue. Um, something I thought maybe you could just explain or even a word or two, something that happened there that really impressed you that you walked away from that conference thinking, wow. I, look, I loved, I loved, um, I loved all the different countries everybody that came together there. I mean, you had, I mean, I, me- I remember meeting with the, uh, some of the representatives from Qatar, you know, mm-hmm. you know, it's a, it's a natural, it's an oil producing, you know, gas producing country. And, you know, they were there to show some of the things that they're doing, moving ahead, moving away from fossil fuels. They just changed their name from, you know, Qatar petroleum to Qatar energy. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're, 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 they're the, um, the ministry of energies, uh, the company, is now is now Qatar energy and uh you know even countries like that that are dependent on fossil fuels to just survive i mean that's where they get all their their, their money from or understand that everybody's moving ahead in the same direction i was also very impressed with the uh the amount of ceos from different companies uh that were over there that were willing to have these discussions um it it was uh it was good. And, and I was also very impressed with the, a lot of people were willing to, and, and, and this is the problem on the democratic side, you know, they don't want to talk about transition. This is what I always say, you know, Republicans, a lot of Republicans don't want to talk about climate at all because they think it's bad for business. A lot of Democrats, they want to go from A to Z and yeah. skip the rest of the alphabet, yeah. um, which you can't do also, uh, you know, there needs to be a transition. And there was a heavy talk. A lot of the meetings we went talked about transition, the transition mm-hmm. fuel transition, mm-hmm. uh, you know, from where we are now to yeah. where we want to be, but you can't do it right away. And there's got to be a plan for that. I really, I was very impressed with, with the, those conversations as well. Was there anything at that conference that frustrated you? Um, I think, you know, that just the, everybody, people were uh, surprised that Republicans were there. Yeah. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, and felt like we weren't genuine in, in, in some of the things we were talking about. It wasn't everybody. We, we really had some great meetings. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, the I think people, some reception of some people, you know, they're, it's like, oh, they're just, you know, why are they here? They don't they don't believe in this stuff. You know, right. that was annoying. But I think that so, you know, as you obviously know and are probably a member of I didn't cross check, but I'm sure you are. Mr. Curtis, um, John Curtis from Utah has his conservative climate caucus, which 
um, he founded, I guess, last summer. And the number of Republicans who joined that caucus just in the first week was really astounding. And I think it was a sign of where we're going on the issue, right? And you have a spectrum of people on that caucus from people who have, you have members who have been engaged, you know, like Mr. Curtis has been engaged pretty much since he was elected. And then you have people that are new and it's okay to have the new people. And I remember seeing some criticism in in the media about, you know, well, this person's never said anything favorable about climate action, but you got to start somewhere, right? They want to learn. Yeah. If they want to learn, I love, I am a member of it uh, just like, and, and uh, Curtis is a member of my caucus. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've had great, just, we, we work very well together. And, and he was, uh, he was over in, in Glasgow, several members, he went over as well. Uh, but it, I, 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 I love um, that he started that caucus because it's, you know, he sees that as an education caucus. Mm-hmm. You know, you're never going to have a Democrat that's going to want to work with the conservative climate caucuses because the conservative name is in it. And, you know, you know they, they, they can't politically. His job, when what he's told me is, is what he wants to do is educate Republicans uh, about- In a safe you know, space, right? In a safe in a space, yeah. They're not going to get like, criticized, yeah. Exactly. Climate change is not just a democratic issue. You know, or uh, so that's why he started. So he could educate members and he really is doing a great job. I've been to a couple of the lunches and the speakers he brings in, they're great. But he wants to use that as a funnel into this bipartisan caucus. Mm -hmm. He wants to educate and he wants the Climate Solutions Caucus to legislate Mm -hmm. because he gets the same thing. He understands that it's going to be difficult for him to get bipartisan support if it's supported by the uh, uh, conservative caucus. Is the Climate Solutions Caucus still a Noah's Ark caucus, where you have one Democrat, one Republican coming in at the we're, same time? We're trying to get it up uh, up to that. Um, like I said, Carlos uh, and several members who were uh, lost in 18. So Republicans are not as, uh, there's not as many Republicans in it uh, as Democrats right now. We are doing a recruitment effort. Uh, we've had mm-hmm. several recruitment drives to try to get members on. I think we'll get more on in, in the couple of, in the next couple of months. Yeah. Um, but that's the idea. We, we it's sort of like a problem solvers caucus for climate. You know, even number. Let's get you know let's 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 come together on this issue and get get something done. And I, I really think whether if 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 the if the Congress flips Republican, this will be a very important caucus mm-hmm, for sure uh, because you'll actually be able to get real real work done, um, I think. Uh, so it's, yeah, it, it, the goal is to have the same number of Republicans and Democrats. We're energy optimists and climate realists. Stand with us at republicen.org. Now back to this week's episode. When we kicked off our conversation, you talked a lot about Mr. Curbelo, who was a previous guest on this show in our first season, being from Florida and you being from a coastal area in New York. And I thought maybe you could just talk about some of the climate impacts that you do see back in your district um, and what people might be uh, worried about. Well, Long Island, you know, we had we got hit uh, by Hurricane uh, Superstorm Sandy, I guess they call it. Oh, yeah. Uh, Back in in 12. um, That was my first election, I remember. And half of my half of my district. the state, it was my first election in the state assembly. Half my district was underwater. Wow. Um, and we still haven't, by the way, but half of those roads still haven't been raised like they need to. But uh, Fire Island was devastated. A new, uh, that's our barrier beach, a, a new uh, new inlet, uh, the old inlet was reopened after being closed for a very long time. It's still open, uh, which actually kind of nice because it cleans out the cleans out the bay. But 
um, it was a devastating storm and uh, it just the coastal erosion problem, uh, not just from that, but what we've seen since um, is a, is a huge issue. And, you know, we can't, the amount of money that's spent on rebuilding that beach at that, that, uh, that beach every year. I mean, we're, we're, we're spending billions of dollars on the Far Island to Montauk Point plan right now. FIMP. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to take three years. It's something that has to get done, but you know, you, we just keep rebuilding. We keep throwing this money out there to, to, to rebuild uh, the barrier beach and it's all through these rising water and, and, and erosion. It's uh, you know, it, it's a big issue. You know, it's a, it's a, I, the whole South shore around it's, beach community people yeah. you know it's how people grew up so it's uh it, you know and everybody was there for sandy they saw the devastation uh the flooding uh, you know it's uh, areas like lindenhurst and massapequa and oakdale babylon uh are underwater i mean by a lot yeah. i'm not just talking i got into your garage i mean yeah. people's houses my friend my, my my friend who was in the state assembly with me now he's the supervisor of oyster bay the water crashed right through his front window. I mean, uh, his whole house was ruined. Um, My so best friend from college, she and her husband had closed two days before Superstorm Sandy on a house on Long Beach Island in New Jersey. Oh, yeah. And so the storm did the demolition for them. <laughs> they weren't planning to build, uh, tear down and rebuild, but that's what they ended up having to yeah. do. And so, yeah, no. It, it, and where we were talking about climate change being an economic issue, you know, obviously when you have to rebuild all these places that there's an economic cost to that. Yep. Absolutely. It's um, it was, I just remember I mean, maybe it just bring me back. I was, I was a practicing attorney and one of our clients sold their house on fire Island two days before they closed. I think it was a, maybe a week before. And that house was uh, taken out. They sold for a million dollars <laughs> and, and the person who bought it lost the house. Uh, and they did not buy, I don't think they, it was all cash because they couldn't get the flood insurance. But I was, it was oh weird, but gosh. I remember, but yeah, no, it was the cost of raising those homes is the cost of, and it was a lot of federal dollars went into do it. Yeah. Um, yeah. and it just, the, the cost between that and the flood insurance and it, it was, uh, it was devastating. And we, and again, we still haven't, the roads that were underwater, we still have not fixed because there wasn't any investment infrastructure. Well, that we now see well, with the bipartisan infrastructure bill, we'll see investment there. Uh, there was definitely a big pot of money that was going towards towards that uh, towards that kind of uh, investment, that road uh, infrastructure. So that'll be good. That drainage, that'll be good. Uh, but it's been ten years. It's been almost ten years. It's so hard to believe. I remember it like it was yesterday. But when you when you're talking about federal investment like that too, I just hearken back to one of the excuses that we hear a lot from people who don't want federal climate action is that we can't afford it, right? We can't afford to take whatever steps necessary, but really we can't afford not to, right? We don't want to have to keep putting billions and billions into rebuilding roads. It'd be great to just make the fix, do it now, and then whatever mitigation, you know, do it right and work on it. (laughs) My my predecessor, I, 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 I talk to members of Congress now, my predecessor, Pete King, who was here for 28 years, uh, was big 9-11. Uh, he, he was very big in, in uh, getting the funding for the health care for that. He would go to battle with people on the floor of Congress, on the floor of the House of Representatives, when they didn't want to vote for Sandy funding. And he goes, I voted for your damn twister money. He mm-hmm. goes, you better get over there and vote for my Sandy money. He goes, uh, 
Yeah, he, 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 I still hear there's still members here that talk about, oh, man, your predecessor wanted to kill me. I was I wasn't going to vote for the bill. <laughs> well, he was very um, passionate, though, and he got it done. He got it done. Once upon a time, I worked in the Senate on um, Everglades restoration, and we were on the Senate floor to pass the Everglades restoration package. And, you know, it was like an eight billion dollar package or something. And I remember uh, Senator Connie Mack, now retired going up to members who were sort of on the fence and saying, I voted for you to get this thing. And I voted for this for you. And and they all listened and voted. Yes. So that's a powerful tool, right? When you take care of your colleagues, when their district or their state is in a crisis, then they're going to hopefully come back and take care of you. Um, I had one other um, question before I let you get on with your day. And, And I know that you're in the process of, of educating and learning and building the, um, the membership of the caucus, but I'm wondering if there are any climate solutions that you're partial to at this point. Are you still in that um, investigative stage? Uh, right now we're, you know, methane, methane is a huge issue, making sure that methane capture, um, you know, making sure as, as little as possible uh, escapes. I mean, everybody, it seems to be a, a something that everybody can find common ground on, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, that is probably something that, you know, you, you when, when, when you're trying to build up like this and you've got a, uh, a constituency that's a little hesitant about getting involved, giving them something like that, you know, that will actually be meaningful, but you know, something they can get, they can agree on, you know, that's something I, I'd like to work on right now, though. It's, uh, it's building, the, it's building the, it's building the membership up. I, mm-hmm. you know, I don't see yeah. our caucus, I don't see our caucus changing anything that's going to happen within the next yeah. uh, nine months. Uh, just because I, I don't think the speaker cares about what we have to say, mm-hmm. which is why I say next year, it'll probably be very important. Um, and we can actually get some real things done. You're building the infrastructure. It's all exactly. infrastructure. <laughs> We're doing it right. So it doesn't fall apart at the end. Well, we appreciate your efforts. We appreciate having you there and your enthusiasm. I hope that you um, and your counterparts are able to identify an equally enthusiastic replacement for Mr. Deutsch. I know he, his contribution will be missed. And uh, we look forward to continuing to work with you and get to know you. And um, thank you for taking the time. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you for having me on. I'll come on again if, you, if you'll have me. Price. Here we are again. Episode four already. Episode four in our contest, weekly contest, is underway. And we've got a winner from last week, do we not, Chelsea? We sure do. Robin P. from Minnesota was this week's winner among the correct submissions. Um, And just to let people know what the right answer was, um, people had their listening ears on, so we actually didn't have any wrong answer submissions, which is good. Um, But... Catherine Hayhoe and I talked about warming stripes Mm -hmm. as a representation of how the climate has changed and specifically knitting those warming stripes into a pattern that if we were doing my grandmother's life would have to have 104 rows. So congratulations, Robin from Montana for your correct answer, your prize. I have emailed you your prize is imminent. So, um, With that, are you ready for me to share, Price, this week's question? I am. And before you share this week's question, remind any of our listeners, new listeners, even old listeners, about the contest, how it works, how you enter, all the goodies and stuff about the contest before you give this week's question. Yes. 
So for those who are new or, or who missed last week's episode, we are doing this weekly quiz where I will pose a question that um, pertains to the conversation that was had in the interview. And then you, the listener, head over to republicen.org forward slash, right? Those are the forward slashes, yes. right? Um, uh, republicen.org forward slash quiz, Q-I- Q-U-I-Z. Oh my gosh, you would think I would know how to spell quiz by now. <laughs> anyway, republicanorg forward slash quiz to submit your answer. We want those answers by midnight on Sunday. So the midnight between Sunday and Monday. Monday morning, we will accumulate the answers, go through them, and put the correct answers into a pot for a drawing to win another $25 gift card to Amazon plus some swag from us. So um, exciting stuff. And all our winners are going to be entered into a drawing at the end of the season. So there'll be another chance to win. But I'm really looking forward to having this way to engage with our listeners. 100%. I think it's a great idea. I think it's a great initiative. And I think it's also great giving out 25 bucks each podcast to for simply for listening, for tuning in and keeping your ears tuned into the Eco Right Speaks podcast. And with that, I am excited to hear what this week's question is for our listeners. All right. So um, the congressman and I talked about a lot of different issues pertaining, obviously, to the subject at hand, climate change. I am um, asking the listeners to identify what big event is his district still recovering from. So send us that answer on our website through the form there to enter to win. Republican.org forward slash quiz. That's where you're going to find your entry form. That's where you're going to simply put in all that quick information. It will take literally seconds for you to be entered to win because a right answer means you're in the drawing for a $25 gift card. And just a reminder, you cannot win multiple weeks, Chelsea Henderson. I think that's, that's important right. to yeah. make that uh-huh. distinction. Unfortunately, you can't go, you know, get out of here with a couple hundred bucks. So we're going to make it fair, uh, even and equitable for our, all our listeners. Um, Although you'd have to be really lucky to not only get the answer right, but to also be the one I chose. But, you know, some people are really lucky. That's why I guess places like Las Vegas exist. So <laughs> Indeed, that is exactly right. There are people that are far luckier in this world than others, but congratulations to this week's winner and we will have another winner to announce on next week's episode. Um before we talk about who we have next week, Chelsea, let me uh thank uh as we do at the end of the podcast every week some new members uh who sign up and stand with us at republican.org forward slash join. It, that all, takes all of seconds to do. Um, we'd love for you to stand with us, especially if you are a conservative. We need you. And we will take anybody, but if you are a conservative listening now, folks, sign up, republican.org forward slash join. Karen B. from here in South Carolina, Robert C. Tennessee, Lynn M. from Wisconsin, Gala H. from Washington State, and Roger F. from North Dakota, a couple of new members who have signed up since last week. We appreciate you for doing so and standing with us. Again, republican.org forward slash join. We need you. Chels, what do we have on deck for next week? 
So next week, I am reuniting with um, Senator Joe Lieberman, retired Senator Joe Lieberman from Connecticut, who was my boss's counterpart on the Climate Security Act of 2008. Um, but he also, Price, has really been the through line through a lot of the Senate efforts to um, pass an economy-wide climate change mm-hmm. bill from the 1990s when he worked with another former boss of mine, the late Senator John Chafee, um, his work in the early 2000s with the also late Senator John McCain, and then later with my boss, and then after me with um, Senator Graham from South Carolina. So, you know, he has this long history of working across the aisle because he identified early in the 90s, right, that this couldn't be done unilaterally, that both parties needed to come to the table. So I look forward to reminiscing with him and uh, talking about all things bipartisanship. Excited for former Senator Lieberman because I know as a Senate snob, as I like to give you a hard time, <laughs> this is when you are ginned up at your finest, when you are doing Senate <laughs> stuff. You know, it was a, I don't, you know, to Congressman Garbarino, I know, I know it was, you know, you're kind of having to dip your toe a little bit low in the water to, you know, talk to a house guy this week. But I know you'll be high on the horse next week because you'll be back in that, uh, you know, in your Senate mode. So I like to give you that yeah. hard time. Well, Price, I look forward to it, and I always like getting a hard time from you. So I always like talking to you, and we will talk again next week. Chelsea, the Eco Right Speaks, Apple Podcast, um, Spotify, wherever it is that you listen to podcasts, just search Eco Right Speaks. Give us a rating, give us a review while you're there, especially on Apple Podcasts. Uh, any stars you want to give is better than zero stars. We love five, but we'll love anything and any kind of feedback you've got to share with us, good or bad, because we want to keep improving, keep changing things up, and keep all our listeners on our toes. So thank you to our listeners. And Chelsea, thank you again. Another great interview. We'll do it again next week. We sure will. See you then. Thanks for listening to this week's edition of the Eco Right Speaks podcast brought to you by the team at RepublicEN.org. Make sure to visit RepublicEN.org to learn more and find out how you can be a local eco-right leader.